Knucklehead MFA Fan. It's time! What's up, everyone? Knucklehead's MMA Podcast for UFC 246. It's Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, we're finally back after, it's got to be uh, three at least weeks, maybe four weeks off. Uh, I'm Tim. I'm here again with Lee. We're talking fucking Lee. What's up, Lee? Hey, everybody. How's it going? 2020. Yeah. Uh, first card of 2020, and they gave us a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, the return of Conor McGregor, pretty big. We've been waiting for it. A lot of talk, no action for a while, and now we finally have action. Yeah. And, you know, it's strange because obviously you knew this week they were going to ramp up the promotion, but it didn't have as much buildup as I thought it would prior to this week. Maybe the holidays had something to do with it, but it was pretty low key until this week. So overall, the hype wasn't really what I, you know, expected it to be. Yeah. It's sort of like, all right, let's rush it in last second. But again, we're here and we're going to watch right. it. Right. So. The hype's there for me. Uh, I'm probably as excited for this as I was for 245, which I thought was a great card. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to see what Conor McGregor has right now after such a big layoff and all the controversy. Uh, I think it's a yeah. really fun matchup, and I think the card itself is, is really good. So I'm, it I'm is. really looking forward to it. I, I am too, and I can't wait to talk more about the fight. Yeah. Let's uh let's get into it. Uh, we'll break down the main card now. Break it down. Uh, starting with the first fight on the main card, it's uh Diego Fejia versus Anthony Pettis. Uh, Fejia's a minus two fifty favorite. Uh, Lee, do you know that Anthony Pettis is now nine and eight in the UFC? I did know that, and it's really crazy to think about it because he's a former lightweight champion right um guys bounce around weight classes uh you know he needs this win it's by no means a you know end to his ufc run if he loses but he needs to get that mojo back on a consistent basis yeah i uh when i was looking into this fight i was counting his wins and losses and it was surprising to me uh how uh how mixed his record is. But then when you look at who he's lost to, I mean, you can't really mm-hmm. fault him for anybody. He's really fought uh, and only lost to the top fighters in the divisions that he's fought in because he's fought in a few different divisions. Uh, he holds a much stronger resume than his opponent, Diego Fea. Uh, how do you Completely see, agree. How do you see this first fight going? Well, I, I think what you just mentioned is is really a big part of the storyline. This is a you can make the case uh, without any argument that this is a huge step up for Ferreira, and that it's actually a little bit of a step down for Pettis, it, just in terms of the names and strength of schedule. But if you are like me and you're of the belief that Pettis has slipped a little bit then, you know, it's not necessarily an opponent that's a step down. It's a guy who could obviously beat him. But in terms of name recognition, uh, it's not what he has faced, you know, in the past. Um, You know, Ferreira has won his last five fights, um, you know, two by stoppages, a few by unanimous decision. And Pettis is coming off that loss to Nate Diaz. Um, you know, it's interesting. Freya got stopped in, in one round by Dustin Poirier in 2015, but since then he's been just a, a completely different fighter. Um, 
But, you know, in his four fights since, in Ferreira's four fights since, uh, you know, he, he this is a clear, clear step up. Uh, Pettis is insanely athletic still. I think he can still at times be a spectacular striker, but I just don't see him as the dangerous striker like he used to be. It doesn't mean he's not dangerous, but it's not as consistent. I think he's slowed down just a little bit. You can't also sleep on his submission game. I think it's a bit underrated, if even underutilized. You just can't sleep on it. Uh, it's a really tough fight to call. I mean, Freya is so active. Lands a lot of significant strikes per 15 minutes over five. He's not very accurate at just 36%. So what that sort of tells me is this is a guy who at times comes out and fights like a wild man, throws a lot of punches, often misses a lot of punches, but this is the key. He's active, and that's going to be the key to beating Anthony Pettis if he can do it. If he pressures Pettis... I think he gives Pettis a lot of trouble. If if Pettis doesn't respond to that pressure in the right way, um, then I think he's going to get beat. But that said, I think that Pettis uh, will have studied Ferreja, who's, I think, predictable with that wild pressure and game plan. And I think he'll adjust. And um, I actually am going to pick Showtime to catch Ferreja and win this fight by knockout. What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, I thought we were going to be on different sides of this. And, <laughs> and I started to think even more w- the more you got into what you were saying. Uh, I pretty mm-hmm. much am on uh, the same page as you, but I thought we were going to come to different conclusions. Uh, okay. I think uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Pettis too. And I also think that it's really close, and I think it, we could easily be wrong here because uh, I can see Fahir winning. But uh, For sure. much like you were saying, I think he, uh, despite his volume, which I, I love, uh, how, how active he is striking, I don't think he is a very accurate or, uh, for lack of a better term, polished striker, whereas Pettis yep. definitely is a polished striker. And if you want to compare yes. it to uh, the fight everybody is very familiar with right now, his last fight with uh, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, that is. Uh, mm-hmm. Diaz is a, obviously a volume striker, and Pettis had a lot of trouble with him. But I think the difference there is uh, Fahad doesn't have the boxing skills that Nate Diaz has. He also doesn't have the size that Nate Diaz has. Uh, yeah. And Nate, Nate is polished too, you know, yeah, I mean, it's I mean. not just yeah. the fact that he, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, he's active and polished where Ferreira is not. Right. So, you know, I think you and I agree that Pettis has the more measured striking, right? you know, and, and definitely has the ability to sort of work through that Ferreja madness and boom, catch him with something spectacular, right? Yeah. So simply put, Ferreja is a uh, better volume striker and he has stronger jiu-jitsu. Uh, Pettis has always been a little bit slower paced uh, for my liking, but uh, he definitely is the better striker, I would say, despite the volume. And he's also strong in jiu-jitsu himself. Uh, more so, I don't think it's going to matter uh, who has the advantage on the ground because I don't think it's going to get there. Uh, Fahea struggles mm-hmm. to take people down. Uh, despite how good he is at jiu-jitsu, he averages less than one submission attempt per fight because he is unable to get any takedowns. So if he can't get people there, he can't use that to his advantage. Uh, right. His last submission win was in 2014. 
Yeah. And then he's well, one thing I just want to add with the submissions is as as we've talked about before, you know, sometimes we talk about it, you know, submission opportunities in like a traditional sense that, you know, okay, let's go for the takedown and then submit. But sometimes what happens, as you know, is these these you get into a striking war, someone gets knocked down and the po- the person who knocks, you know, the opponent down jumps on them. You know, because they see an opening for a chokehold or something. Right. So, so it could happen that way, too. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? That could be another path. That's that's totally possible. Yeah. Uh, and something I could see happening. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I, that, that goes back to what we think of uh, for his level of striking. I don't see him hurting Pettis. Uh, I mean, it could happen, but uh, that's not something sure. I'm going to count on. Uh I think he's been getting by on uh, his aggression, uh, aggression with his striking and yeah. his volume, but he's been doing it against people that aren't on the level that I think Anthony Pettis is still on. He's only 32, uh, and like we said, yeah. he's only lost to the best people. So uh, it could be wrong here, but I'm going to go with Anthony Pettis to win this one too. Yeah, and look, final word, there's a reason why this is the first fight on the main card yeah. of the pay-per-view. You know, I say it every time. <laughs> These are the fights that that the UFC wants people to watch. And then, oh, man, look at that first round. Hey, dude, order this fight. They call their friend and they get an extra, you know, 8,000 pay-per-view buys right. based on the fact that the first fight was great. And this is one of those fights that, could, yeah. you know, it's an action fight. If it were... If the order of these fights on pay-per-views were based on how good the fights are, I'd swap this with the co-main event, which we'll get into, which is Home Pennington. I think it actually but was that's the co-main event at story. one point. I think you're right. I believe that's but, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's an action fight. Action fights usually start off, um, you know, or knockout type fights start off the card. So it's a good one for that. Yeah. It's one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, it should be really good. And we'll yeah. see if Pettis can get it done. Uh, all right. Yep. So let's move on to the second one. Another really good, really interesting fight. We have uh, Claudia Gadea versus Alexa Grasso. Uh, the odds makers have this fight even. Claudia Gadea, who once seemed like she only loses to Ioana Jacek, has alternated wins and losses in her last four fights. She's coming off of a decision over Ronda Marcos in July. And she's now 31 years old. Uh, she takes on the 26-year-old Alexa Grasso, who has also alternated wins and losses in her last five fights. She's coming off a controversial loss to Carlos Barza uh, in September. And what that brings me to, if you remember the Carlos Barza-Alexa Grasso uh, fight episode, we were on, <laughs> we were on very opposite sides of that fight and i'm yeah I'm wondering, I, I was rough <laughs> i'm wondering I was if rough we're gonna do it her. again here uh because <laughs> well i see it yeah. going very similarly and i think that uh Gadea is a much better striker than esparza is so i i think grasso could be in trouble again well um so you think that grasso could be in trouble and i actually uh agree okay I agree. Uh, I, you know, Gadea, I'm going to just say Claudia. Her last name is tough. And, and, you know, I, I, uh, so Claudia, who, by the way, I, I love. Yeah. Um, she's moved, you know, her camp to Jersey with Mark Henry and that crew. And um, 
one, I'd like to go visit her, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Two, um, she seems like she's in a much better place. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you watch the countdown leading up to this fight, like she's very up, you know, forthcoming about the fact that she stopped caring and now she's in a better place. So she's in, she's in a great camp. Um, you know, to me, there's going to be moments in this fight when they both stand in a phone booth and exchange. And if they do that, I, I agree with you. Gadea, she, she's like, say I called her by her last name. <laughs> she, she, she's got, she's tough, you know, yeah. like she fought Joanna tough, you know, whether she lost or not twice, she fought her tough. So what I, you know, Grasso lands a lot. And I'm sure you'll talk about that. The stats are there. She lands a lot and she's more active than Gadea is statistically in striking. And, and, you know, they both get hit and, and Claudia gets hit even more. But the smart move here for Claudia is to, to get Grasso down. And, you know, she averages over three takedowns per 50 minutes and Grasso's takedown defense is fine at 63%. But that's the route I think Claudia is going to go and that's how she's going to be successful and grind out a decision. But what do you think? How do you think she's going to get to uh, victory here? Yeah, that, that's basically uh, the way I see it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, she's a better striker than Esparza, so I think she can compete with uh, Grasso better there. Where we saw uh, Esparza in a lot of trouble toward the end of the fight. Uh, but more importantly, Grasso struggles with people that can take her down repeatedly in fights. Even though she lands over five strikes per minute, she won't be able to utilize that if she's on her back for uh, significant parts of the rounds. And I, th- I think she can improve her takedown defense and her defensive wrestling. But late September, when she fought Esparza, I don't think that's enough time uh, for her to improve enough to deal with Claudia Gadea right now. Uh, Gadea has taken yeah. people down five, six, seven times in three-round fights. Uh, and she's also a real threat to catch her in a uh, rear neck and choke if she gets it to the ground. She has uh, mm-hmm. legitimate Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, she has several wins by uh, rear neck and choke. I don't think uh, the UFC is doing Grasso any favors here. No, uh, I completely yeah. agree. And I, I kind of worry uh, what it does to the confidence of a 26-year-old fighter if we're right in our prediction. Yeah, I think you nailed it. This, this is a tough fight for Grasso. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, if Claudia wins... She had, I don't want to say star power, that might be, but, you know, she it was a big deal, that rivalry. So to get her going again, I think is good for, you know, the woman's side of this, the, the game, too. Yeah, I would just feel bad for Alexa Grasso, though. Uh, but, I mean, she could win this fight, and maybe we're going to be wrong. Yeah, but I don't think we will. Be. <laughs> I think, uh, again, we, we both agree, and, and I think we both agree that there's a clear path to victory here for Claudia and uh, I, I do believe that this camp change they've recognized that and she'll utilize it yeah all right so we'll move on to the third fight uh, this is one that I'm not as excited about it's it's a decent fight but there are some fights on the undercard that I would swap out uh, in place of this one if I could I agree yeah it's I think it's solely here because of the fact that it's a heavyweight fight yeah. and heavyweights attract people right. i totally agree and yeah uh, heavyweights are good for uh i guess uh i hate the term but casual viewing yeah exactly right and of course we're talking about alexi olenic and maurice green yeah uh right now maurice green is a minus 137 favorite uh maurice green was knocked out by Serge, uh, sergey pavlovic his last time out 
Uh, it was his first knockout of his young career. His opponent now is uh, 42-year-old Alexei Olnik, and he is also coming out a knock, coming off of a knockout loss, and it's his second in a row. Uh, the story here is going to be Green being much taller and much heavier, and also is uh, Olnik's chin maybe aging. Well, I mean, and there's also more story. Is it that green is too green? You know, yeah. I mean, the, the the numbers are 70, 71 to 12. That's how many fights Alexi Olenek has had to Maurice Green. That That's that's pretty insane. Right. You know, um, you could talk about how old Olenek is and his chin losing two in a row. But Maurice Green is not experienced. And, of course, the story with Olenek is the Ezekiel choke. You know, this guy yeah. could be rocked, but if he's in position, boom, you're done. And, 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 and I, I, you know, I understand that Green is the slight favorite, but I think that that's because those people who consider him to be the favorite think that he's, in a sense, done. His chin isn't the same. Look, Maurice Green gets sloppy, too, yeah. with his stand-up. And he's not like a Cyril Gaon who is a heavyweight that, you know, seems to have a compact style, you know, in terms of his flashy striking. Uh, he's not sloppy. Um, yeah, you know, green's taller, uh, but they actually, their reach advantage is both 80 inches. Yeah. So it's sort of the same. Kind of I think what green has to do is um, I think he's got to just utilize his jab and, and maybe even like long leg kicks to keep Olenek out of reach. So Olenek literally cannot reach him and execute that uh, Ezekiel choke. Um, if he can pick, um, Olenek apart, then he's got a chance to stop him. You know, just keep just rocking him, rocking him, rocking him, you know, pick him apart. Then he could stop him and go in for the kill. But if he tries to get too cute and closes the distance and, and gets within reach of Olenek, I think then he's going to be in trouble. And I know that a lot of people are counting Olenek out, but I think that green sloppiness is he's going to pay the price for it. And uh, I'm actually going to pick Olenek here in what would be considered an upset. Yeah, we're uh, we're agreeing a lot, and I was wondering if we were going to be disagreeing a lot. Uh, oh man, well, well let's quit. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I've never been a real big fan of Maurice Green. Uh, I feel like he gets a lot of hype. He, he's not terrible. I'm not trying to really criticize him, but uh, yeah. I don't think he's like uh, anything special. Uh, he's got a lot of. Uh, He's he's a newer fighter. He's eight and three, I believe. I'm not looking at it right now, but I think he's eight and three. Uh, Alexi Olnik mm-hmm. has 45 submission victories. <laughs> so that's, that's insane. Yeah, so that's a lot more fights. Uh, I mean, you can maybe call into question <laughs> those numbers because I think a lot of Olnik's uh, career uh, is in the the regional scene in Russia for a while. But either way, right. he's got a ton of fights. Uh, He's, he's, yeah, and he also might be 83 years old. Right, yeah, like that's they, it. They yeah. Lie, you know? He's at least 42, so, and he's maybe started to at look least. Uh, older lately. <laughs> yeah. That that yeah. worries me a little bit in terms of him being able to win this fight because I, I think uh, part of his path to victory would be uh, getting it to the ground. He averages uh, 2.69 takedowns per fight. Uh, but that's going to take some athletic ability to get Maurice Green down. Uh, he does sure. have a little bit of help with Green being so tall. It makes it a little easier to get under his hips. But he still has to be able to get there without getting clipped or anything like that. Uh, if he gets it there, then like we said, the, he, he has a ton of submission wins. You brought up the Ezekiel choke. 
which I, I've never done without the gi. I'm not really sure how he pulls it off so effectively uh, with nothing to grab onto. But uh, maybe That's it's crazy. something to work on later. But uh, yeah. also, the point about Olnick being knocked out uh, uh, twice in a row. His opponents were Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem. Uh, I think they have a much... Uh, a huge power difference compared to Marie Green, and it's not really oh, saying not much even, to be knocked yeah. out by those guys. Yeah, it's not even close, especially with Overeem, who's you know you can make an argument he's the greatest heavyweight striker ever. I mean, you know, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's not even close. So if the fight remains on on the feet, there's a chance that Green clips Olnick somewhere along the way, and maybe he gets a stoppage because I think. His durability probably is uh, on the downside. I mean, he's in his 40s. It happens to everybody. It's just like, I think it's sure. just biology. But I, I do see him probably winning this fight just by experience and uh, higher skill level. Uh, he's, he's a serious yeah. submission threat. And I think uh, Alexi Olnick should get the win in this one, too. All right. Well, for three for three, we agree. So yeah, far. I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna stay with it on this next one. Ah, that brings us to the co-main event of the evening, uh, the fight that Lee has been waiting to talk about: Holly Holm <laughs> versus Raquel Pennington. Uh, Holm right now is a minus one thirty-seven favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. This fight, a lot of people are kind of uh, not thrilled as the co-main event. Uh, I like Holly Holm just fine. But uh, this fight doesn't do much for me either. It seems strange to be the coming event in such a stacked card. Uh, Holm is 37 now. And since her famous fight with Ronda Rousey in 2015, mm-hmm. she's went 2-5 in the UFC. Uh, only beating yeah. Betch Cahaya and Megan Anderson. Uh, Raquel Pennington mm-hmm. lost the split decision to Holly Holm in 2015, shortly before the Ronda Rousey fight. But Pennington is actually coming off of a win over Irene Aldana uh, in July. It seems a bit surprising because Aldana's looked so good since that fight. And it was also a split decision that's somewhat controversial. Like Aldana outlanded her, uh, stopped most of her takedowns. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm kind of in the camp of I thought Aldana won that fight. I think maybe it was given to Pennington for pressure. Mm-hmm. But Pennington also has wins in her career over Jessica Andrade and Misha Tate. So she's really only lost to like the bigger names, uh, and Holly Holm being one of them. Yeah. So the first fight between these two was close, uh, and Holm was just a little more active. She won uh, mm-hmm. by decision. She also stopped. Split decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she also stopped all five of Pennington's takedown attempts. Uh, Pennington only has a 26% takedown success rate. And she seems, from the fights I've watched her in, she seems to just drive her opponents into the cage and try to get a takedown from there. Uh, home defense at a 79% rate anyway. Uh, they both average around the same volume striking. It's usually around 40 or 50 strikes uh, per three-round fight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't see any reason to think that this fight's not going to be a lot like their first fight. And right. Holly Holm edged that one out. I mean, it's it's kind of weird to say people haven't changed since 2015. Like, if we're talking about, say, Max Holloway and Conor McGregor, they're a lot different than the last time they fought. 
Oh yeah. But I, I think this fight, yeah, <laughs> I think this fight's gonna be kind of the same. That's that's my prediction anyway. And I think Holly Holm will edge out a decision. Um, I'm gonna right off the bat tell you I 100% agree <laughs> with uh, your prediction and your sentiments towards the fight, your breakdown of it. Um, I'll be frank, I, I I don't I didn't need to see this rematch, um, and I certainly did not need to see it back when they tried to do it in Australia and it got you know the rematch got uh, canceled for a little bit, mm. and I don't need to see it now. I don't need to see it as a co-main event. I like both of the fighters, but, you know, I will say this, uh, it's put up or shut up time for Holly Holm. I mean, you know, she has incredible striking ability and it's so frustrating to watch her because you feel like she just never lets loose. And uh, Kenny Kenny Florian probably is the most outspoken person about that. Uh, He really goes off on her. Um, and I've always agreed with it. Like you watch her and it's like, yeah, let's get going, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, I don't mean be careless and brawl, but just, you know, this is like, she won, I think over a dozen boxing championships, you right. know, titles utilize that, you know, like you're essentially the Nate Diaz of female mixed martial arts with your boxing experience (laughs) or abilities. And like, she's a kickboxer and I, I, she's just too conservative. But I think that if Pennington can get past Holmes takedown defense, which statistically is pretty good at 79% and do some damage on the ground, then, you know, she has a shot to win. But she was over five in their first fight yeah. at takedowns. And, you know, Holm kept her distance well and, you know, landed also half of her uh, significant strikes to Pennington's body. And um, for, I, I, as you know, I love body shots. Yeah. So, yeah. like, <laughs> like she, over half of her strikes, she went to the body. So, like, you know, she was very measured in her and what she was doing. But I agree with you. Not, not you know, no big reason to keep going on this fight. I mean, I think that Holm will win a decision and um, yeah, it's going to be a carbon copy of their first fight. Yeah. Uh, just to comment on your two points there, because I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Raquel Pennington taking her down, if she can get past the defense and do damage. Uh, I don't, I don't think she really will though. I don't think she really does much once she gets to take down. She's kind of, she's kind of old school in the way that she goes for takedowns and in the way that she mm-hmm. holds people down when she gets them. She just kind of yeah. doesn't do a lot. I'm not really a fan of her style in general, but I'm not here to really talk bad about her. Uh, and then Holly Holm, yeah. I agree with her hesitation. Uh, she averages under three strikes per minute. If you're not going to wrestle at a high rate or uh, wrestle effectively, then you need to be putting out a higher striking volume to win uh, in MMA. Uh, or and that right or or on the flip side, you know, if you're not going to wrestle but you want to sh- strike, and let's say you're you're you know facing a fellow striker, I understand if she's more conservative because she wants to like be the counter striker, right? You know, so you're not being as aggressive. But like you just said, you know, in this situation, you're going to be facing a wrestler. So unless you want to turn it into a wrestling match, like you just said, be a little bit more aggressive with your striking, yeah. you know, and it's it's frustrating. You got, you so got to get your very, strikes over three per minute. Yeah. 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 That's what you are, you know, yeah. like, you know, push the pace and uh, what are you waiting for? You know what she, you know, so I'm already yelling at her and the fight hasn't <laughs> even started. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the fight. I mean, basically, the fight everybody's waiting for. It, it's a really fun matchup. Uh, oh, it's yeah. exciting to have Conor McGregor back. Uh, the main event of the evening is Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. 
McGregor is coming in as a minus 335 favorite right now. I'm pretty sure that when I first looked at the odds when this fight was announced that McGregor was the underdog and I had planned on making a bet on him. But that is, mm-hmm. uh, if I was right, that's now turned. So that's no. And no you know what, Tim? I, I think it's going to drop back down towards Cerrone as we get closer. Um, I think it'll become closer to even. And and you know, you know me. I never make it sound like I'm a gambling man, but yeah. um, I pay attention enough to know that sometimes there are trends where in big fights. It, it, the, the betting odds sway a little bit closer to the other person when someone's a favorite uh, towards the end of the week because, you know, people heard, you know, the weigh-ins happen. They see how a fighter looks or doesn't look or, you know, that those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a little bit more confidence in Cerrone uh, gambling-wise as we get closer. I could be wrong. Well, any bets that I place, I'm not sure I'm going to. But if I do, uh, they'll be Friday night. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, yep. So, for, but for this fight, uh, Conor McGregor is coming in off of his submission loss. Everybody knows about to Khabib. Uh, it was in October 2018, and then he had a long layoff, lots of con- lots of controversy. Uh, nobody really knew when he was going to come back. Uh, this fight seemed to come together pretty quickly, uh, and yes. now here we are. I think it was announced like six weeks ago. Do you know that for sorely? Uh, that sounds about accurate, yeah. but there's it was very, very quick, and that plays into what we said earlier is that it's part of why the hype just doesn't feel as big as it should be. I mean, they did a countdown, but a lot of times they might, with proper hype, they would do like a, a side special, the return to Conor McGregor. And so, you know, so it came together really quickly. You're right. right. Uh, Cerrone is coming off of uh, getting stopped by Justin Gagey in September. Uh, it wasn't a knockout per se, but I feel like it, for the most part, was because he was basically out on his feet and the fight got stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's yeah. made a lot of people question uh, Cerrone's durability, which I don't know if that's premature or not because it's not like he's taken a string of knockouts lately. This is just one right. stoppage, and Justin Gage hits really hard. I, I think it's pre- – if you believe that, that – uh, look, I mean, obviously – like biologically speaking, has he taken wear and tear? Yeah. But if you're truly believing that Cerrone's chin is dropped down a level based on that fight, you're, you're crazy. No, no yeah. not at all. I, I He's still a durable fighter. I do believe that Conor McGregor can test his chin though. He has uh, 18 knockout victories. Uh, and it might be surprising to some people with uh, a much longer record. Cerrone only has 10. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you that I, I don't think that Donald Cerrone has faced someone that has the pinpoint accuracy and power. Now, he fought Nate, right? Mm-hmm. But Nate has that pinpoint accuracy. I don't think he has the power of Connor. Connor has both. So just based on that, I think Connor uh, can absolutely test and break Cerrone's chin. Right. Uh Let's let's break it down this way. So stand up. Mm-hmm. If the fight is to remain yes. standing, uh, let's say going the distance, do you say do you see it going the distance in favor of Cerrone or in favor of McGregor? And uh, who do you see more likely getting a stoppage if the fight is to remain on the feet? Okay, if the fight's to remain on the feet, if then. Th- 
Connor would have to finish this fight within, you know, a round or two rounds. Because okay. I, I believe that, that Connor would fade and you cannot sleep on Cerrone's stand up game. I mean, his Muay Thai is sick. His leg kicks are better than Connor's leg kicks. Yeah. I mean, I think you can you I think you can really make the argument that Cerrone's a better all-around striker just because he's got a more versatile striking game. Connor's got those kicks, but they're nothing like Cerrone's. So the deeper the fight goes, if it were to be a stand-up fight, if, and that's something I like to get to because I, you know, eventually when you get after you give your opinion, but if it were to remain a stand-up fight, then I think the longer it goes, it favors Donald Cerrone. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, I would say maybe. Uh, I don't know. The, I'm not too sure about any of these, but I would think maybe it favors McGregor if it goes longer, uh, as long as his stamina isn't like a, a big issue. Uh, I think he's. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's going to come in somewhat in shape as much as he can on short notice. But I think his volume uh, and power advantage would play into him having the advantage down the stretch. Like, if you can hit somebody harder than they can hit you when you're both tired, I feel like maybe that would uh, be an advantage uh, in McGregor's favor. And his his volume advantage of uh, his volume advantage, uh, and then also Connor being five years younger, uh, I think that that's... Uh, that's something you, you, you would want to give the advantage to him on the feet. And then also he's not been knocked out, Conor McGregor, in his career, whereas uh, Cowboy's been knocked out six times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think all your points are, are more than valid. Um, but I'm just questioning whether Conor's going to, you know, be in the kind of shape uh, that, you know, when we get into the championship rounds – his striking would be as effective as they were in the first couple of rounds. Right. Look, it's one thing if he looks great and has packed on muscle, you know, it's sort of like you build a really good car engine, but how's it going to run? You mm-hmm. know, um, that's, 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 that's my big question because Cerrone isn't, he's an active striker. Uh, he's not bonkers in terms of volume, but he's active. Yeah. He's active. Yeah, yeah. And 4.34 you know, is, is yeah. active enough. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and he comes from all different kinds of angles, you know, and so you know it's going to be interesting. But 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 there's a huge but, and and, and I, look, I'm going to say it right now. I think there is a clear clear path for Donald Cerrone to win this fight, clearly, and that is to not strike with Conor McGregor. Yeah, that is to get him down to the ground. Yes, and I'm telling you right now, I'll just flat out say it and let you react. That if Don Cerrone for for once in his career, in his you know the latter part of his his career, would fight strategically, and fight based on what his opponent brings to him instead of saying yeah I'm going to go in there and brawl, you know <laughs> and actually fight smart okay and I love the dude but if he would just fight based on strategy this time, he would take Conor McGregor down and I guarantee you he submits him. Uh, that's that is a clear path to victory. I don't care what anyone says about Conor McGregor's ground game; it stinks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think that Cerrone would, if he gets him down, he submits him, chokes his ass out. But already you have Cerrone, and it could be you know just a facade. But he's already hyping it up by saying, "No, oh, I want to stand and get into a brawl with him." And look, man, this is this is Donald Cerrone's championship fight. It really is. Yeah. This is his chance to like. You know, if if he'll, he's never going to win a belt, 
He's not going to win a belt. Well, he wins his fight. Well, I, 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 I hope he does. I'm just saying that I don't think he will. So if he doesn't, but he wins his fight, man, I mean, it's, you know, his legend's going to go up a notch. But that's, that's my opinion. There's a clear path, and I think he should take him to the ground. And I hope he surprises everyone by trying to do it strategically. But I'd like to hear what you think about that. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you that he should take him down and that he probably <laughs> would be able to submit him if he got him down. Uh, Cowboy has uh, pretty good jiu-jitsu. He has actually 17 wins by submission. Uh, that's yeah. kind of surprising probably to a lot of people. Almost half his wins. Right, yeah. Almost half more, his wins More by than he has yeah. knockouts. Uh, he's won more yeah. by submission. And to make it more interesting – all four of Conor McGregor's career losses are by submission. Yeah. Uh, and he has trouble getting taken down. Uh, his takedown defense looks good. He defends at a 70% rate, which isn't too bad. But he also has been taken down several times by a few different people. And that can- I love that you brought this yeah. up. Yeah. Because, because I actually, my next thought was, I literally, you know, wrote down that it's misleading that 70% because, you know, his opponents have only landed, you know, nine takedowns against him in his UFC fights, but, you know, three were by Khabib in one fight and four were by Mendez and, and Mendez was four for seven and Khabib three for seven. So like most of those takedown attempts have come in a couple fights and he wasn't necessarily great at it. And he was, he had trouble against Mendez for a bit and we know what happened against Khabib. So you're right. Great point. Totally misleading. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but the the problem with that is uh, Cerrone uh, doesn't attempt that many takedowns. Uh, The last time he attempted more than one takedown in a fight was 2016 against Patrick Cote. And he only had two Mm -hmm. in that fight. So he's not going to look to take him down several times. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to. He could. Well, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah, Whether. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, look, man, you know, you're getting older. You're fighting a guy who you know is strength, striking. You know he can hurt you. Why not? Why not just for once, man, make us happy? And, you know, like I just, you know, see him fight strategically. But that's never really been his thing, yeah, right? I don't think he's going to do it, unfortunately. I think he probably – if he does, it's going to be late rounds. And uh, he'll, he might try to pull something out in the fifth round. If he, especially that, if he thinks he's point. losing, yeah. if he thinks he's behind, maybe he goes for it. But I think he's going to be drawn into the slugfest at least for a while. And, and and just like we sort of said earlier, you know, with other fights and what happens is if if it gets to the point where it's a slugfest and Connor were to get rocked, you remember Connor was getting rocked by Nate in their first fight, and he just didn't know what to do. He dove in for one of the worst takedown attempts ever and got choked out. Like yeah. something like that could happen where it's a stand-up fight. They're rocking each other. Connor doesn't know, you know, and then, you know, Cerrone jumps. So yeah, that could happen as well. But, you know, I still think that from the get go, Hey man, try and take him down. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're right that that's not going to be a strategy. All right. So then to clarify all this though, uh, Let's give our picks for this one. Yeah. Uh, You can go first. Well, based on all that, even though I'm agreeing that he probably won't surprise me and go for the takedown, I'm still picking Cerrone. And I'm going to say that he's going to submit Conor McGregor. And uh, 
yeah, I'm going to go for it. I like it, especially since this would be the only one that we disagree on. Uh, yeah. I, I'm well. going to go with Conor McGregor. I think it's possible he uh, stops Cowboy with strikes, but I think he more likely probably wins a decision uh, outstriking him. That's th- Wow. Th- that might be bolder than my pick, the decision part of it. Seriously. Yeah. I, you it's know, actually I mean, a good betting line, too. Be... I'm thinking of taking it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, man, you know, maybe, you know, because the guy's talking about, like you said, he's in great shape. He wants to fight three times this year. He really seems to be in a good place. I'm just so tired of his talk, talk, talk BS, but that's a bold pick. I think that's a bolder pick than my pick, but I like it. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for uh, the 246 breakdown. Uh, I hope you guys are all as excited about this one as we are. We'll be back next week for Fight Night Raleigh. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Cyborg and Julia Budd fight in Bellator. But until then, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See you guys.